All righty. Here we are, Kevin. He is actually on site this time. So we're going to have slightly better audio, obviously. Hopefully. Hopefully better audio. Hopefully better audio. This is episode three of the podcast here. So yeah, we, we didn't stop at two. We're on number three. And for this one, we're going to talk about a, a very special storm. Now, this is, it's funny because our first podcast episode was about, was actually around a year ago. And we talked about the blizzard of 78. And when we were talking about the blizzard <laughs> year, of 78. we have three episodes. Yeah, we only have, so yeah, over the year, we got three episodes. That's all progress right there. But it was around this time last year that we were, we did our first episode. And we were talking about how we haven't really, you know, we hadn't had a winter. And it was kind of nice to talk about the Blizzard of 78 because we just had a shit winter. And here we are a year later with another shit winter. And uh, we're stuck with reminiscing about another New England. No, I wouldn't even, this isn't even a New England. So the Blizzard of 78 was a New England classic, right? That's a New England classic. Yeah. This was a Eastern United States classic, really without much precedent. And I wish that there was an article done that actually had a fantastic introduction to the storm we were going to cover. And um, it'd be nice if I actually had it open in front of me so that I can read it for this podcast. But uh, actually, you know what? I do have a little summary and I'll read this and that will basically bring us into episode three of the podcast. So here we go. The Superstorm of 1993, also called the Storm of the Century, was one of the most intense mid-latitude cyclones ever observed over the eastern United States. The storm will be remembered. Now, this article was written around what happened, right? So this storm will be remembered for its tremendous snowfall tolls from Alabama through Maine, high winds all along the east coast extreme coastal flooding along the Florida West Coast, incredibly low barometric pressures across the Southeast Mid-Atlantic, and for the unseasonably cold air that followed behind the storm. In terms of human impact, the Superstorm of 1993 was more significant than most landfalling hurricanes or tornado outbreaks and ranks among the deadliest and most costly weather events the 20th century. Now that is written by the National Weather Service in Wilmington, North Carolina. Kevin, do you think they had any clothes on when they wrote that introduction? That's actually the most important question. Clothes? Do you think they were actually wearing clothes when they wrote that introduction? I mean, just listen to the way they wrote it. I mean, you can't be wearing clothes when you write an introduction like that. I'm not sure what you're talking about, but (laughs) you're absolutely absolutely right. Don't try to act innocent. Don't try to act innocent. There's no way you can write an introduction like that and have clothes on. If you actually yeah. like weather, you know, there's a little bit of this. A storm a, like this exactly. costs for you to take off your clothes. Exactly. But, that, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm getting at here. So I, that is the introduction that I'm leading off with, with just, this superstorm. I just want to uh, bring up a point, though. You said uh, we're having a shit winter. We but are having any, an absolute if, shit. If anybody game. happens to listen out west, though, or California or Washington, it's true. They're having a, they're having a fantastic one. It it, it, it so, indeed is all relative. Yeah. So this is early February, twenty twenty three. We haven't had really anything of interest. Boston's at what maybe ten inches. Yeah. Um, you know, 
central New England is in the 20 to 30 inch range. The mountains are 40 to 60, maybe 70 yeah. inches season to date. So it, 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 we're in February. It this was, has been a complete fail of a winter. The West Coast. What's California up in the mountains? Mammoth Mountain. Mammoth Mountain is over inches. 400. Alta, Utah is, is closing in on 500 inches. And that's kind of one of the things that you notice is when the West Coast does well, the East Coast usually suffers. Not always. It depends on the prevailing pattern. But if there's a deep trough, and in the case of this winter, we've had a persistent negative PNA, the West Coast does well, and we don't. But let's not get too distracted with our non-event winter. And we're, yeah. we're going to focus <laughs> on what was actually, well, the funny thing is this winter was pretty much a non-event. The, the winter of 92 to 93 was a forgettable winter until yeah. March of 1993. December, January, February. Nobody talks about December 1992. Nobody talks about February of 1993. No. It's all about March, in particular, the late on the 12th through the 14th of 1993. And that is one of the, if you live in the East Coast, it's it's by far one of the most intense and, and one of the most high-impact storms it, that we have ever seen. It's kind of funny though, because somebody could argue that like, oh, people remember this storm because nothing else happened that winter. But if you actually look at this storm, it was probably one of the better things that's happened in probably the past 25 years, probably. Like widespread wise. Yeah, in, ter wise, in terms from of- yeah. Florida to Maine got absolutely crushed. Yeah, the one of the unique, more unique aspects of it, I mean, a lot of, a lot of our high impact winter events, at least in New England, you know, a lot of the time it'll get started in the Mid Atlantic, right? So DC will get smoked, Baltimore, DC, yeah. New York, the whole the whole Mid Atlantic to New England. But this one was literally from Florida all the way up into Maine. I mean, it was the entire length of the eastern seaboard and that's what made this particularly unique it's very rare that we get a big winter storm i mean in this case technically it was meteorological spring it was astronomical winter still right it was still wasn't march 21st or 22nd it was early it was mid-march but meteorologically speaking it was actually in spring but either either way to get a major snow event that basically extended from the Gulf Coast all the way to New England is almost without precedent. It's very rare to have snow through the pretty much the entire length of the Eastern Sea. In the, and, then, and then you had, not only did they get snow, they got incredible amounts of snow. Exactly, yeah. So the the snowfall amounts were pretty incredible. So before we get to the snow melts, we got we to save the best for last. We'll kind of talk about, you know, what, what, what was the upper level like? Anytime we look at we look at storms, the first thing I like to look at is what happened in the upper levels because the upper levels are really what dictates what happens to the surface. So leading up to the event, we're talking about base. We're talking about zero Z on the thirteenth. So we're the evening of the twelfth. We basically what we had is we had we had a a long wave trough, a mean long wave trough. This is what was kind of the set the conditions for the Superstorm 93 across much of the plains, the upper Midwest, into the plains, all the way down to the Gulf Coast. And we actually had kind of a dual, it was like a dual shortwave pattern. So we had a shortwave the evening of the 12th, all the way down to coastal Texas. And then further north and west, we had a secondary shortwave embedded. So this is all embedded within the long wave pattern. Shortwave in Texas, and then another shortwave, southern Oklahoma, 
in a northern Texas. And then you get kind of a third one over the Great Lakes. And then, so. yeah, and then you have kind of an elongated, like, just vorticity maxima uh, from Iowa all the way up to New so, England. But so, the, the initial the initial setup was we had a, a, a long-wave trough diving into the central U.S., short-wave trough over, over southern Texas, and then another follow-up one over northern Texas and Oklahoma. So this was the storm that everybody always likes to say for the famous triple phase, correct? It was the Super 93 storm, right? It was like... In, in a way, yeah. It was, it was a triple, yeah. phases of... Like, you had like kind of the subtropical jet, the polar jet, and the Arctic jet, right? So, yeah, that, that, that's so, kind of what, you know, when I grew up, I, I remember. I mean, there was there were videos, you know, made on the storm. And I actually had one growing up. I had a VHS about the Superstorm in 93. And before every winter, my dad and I would watch that VHS and get pumped up for every <laughs> single winter thinking. And I was young. I mean, I, I was. this is probably when I was like, I don't know, 8, 9, 10 years old. You know, I think, oh, you know, every year we're going to have a storm like obviously not we haven't had one since 1993 but uh that, that was what they said they, you know it was, it was the phasing of three jets and you know the subtropical and the polar there's really two jets usually it is two the jets polar and the subtropical exactly yeah. you have the polar jet and then you have the subtropical jet and when you have those phases, that's really pretty much all you can ask for for a good nor'easter you have yeah. you have a lot of cold air with the polar jet, the subtropical jet is a really good moisture source. When you involve Arctic air with a really good subtropical moisture source, you, you get things that are typically pretty explosive. The, the yeah. baroclinic environment is very favorable. And in this case, I mean, baroclinically speaking, it was extremely favorable. You had an Arctic air mass diving out of Canada through the plains, heading right into Texas. And you had, you know, at the early stages, so initially in the evening of the 12th, you actually had a little area of low pressure over the Gulf. This was kind of the initial cyclogenesis was a weak area, kind of a, an, almost an, like an ambiguous area of low pressure over the north central Gulf of Mexico associated with the lead shortwave that was coming through southern Texas. Now, as you move later through the evening of the 12th into the 13th, the shortwave from that was further north across northern Texas and Oklahoma basically merged with, phased with that southern shore wave, and it led to an overall deepening of the, the mean long wave trough. The entire long wave trough deepened, and it, it got became a little bit negatively tilted. You can actually see a negative tilt by 9 to 12Z on the 13th. It was and that's where you had your bombogenesis, that low rapidly deepened and wrapped up and moved right over pretty much right over northern Florida, over into Georgia. So for something like this, you you kind of have uh, a much deeper, oh, much lower, like usually like the tilt uh, is usually like in the mid-Atlantic or, but this thing is like stretching way, way, way south. It's a pretty- Yeah, the overall, the, the, the amplitude yeah. The, like the meridional amplitude of, of the upper level trough was definitely quite notable. Now yeah. in our last, our last podcast, when we talked about the, uh, that was the kind of the, the great Appalachian storm in 1950, 
We talked about how a lot of our real intense mid-latitude cyclones that impact the eastern U.S., a lot of the time they originate from these negatively tilted troughs. It's kind of the essential, the essential ingredient or like the limiting factor, the common denominator is you have a negatively, you need that negatively tilted trough because you get enhanced vorticity vection, height falls, and you just have an, you have, have an environment that's conducive to bombogenesis. We saw that with the blizzard of 78. We saw that with like the Great Appalachian Storm in 1950. And again, in the Superstorm in 93, you have this deep trough. Initially, you had two separate short waves that during the morning hours on the 13th of March, they basically merged and created a much deeper and eventually negatively tilted trough yeah. across the southeastern U.S. Now, the remarkable thing, so this was phase one. Phase one was the two short waves merging in the northern gulf. That led to the bombogenesis in the northeastern Gulf of Mexico at the surface. And phase one, kind of the, the initial and pretty incredible aspect of the storm was that squall line that developed along that front. So as the low started to bomb out over the Gulf of Mexico, this is during the late evening hours, of the 12th into the 13th. You had a really fine, you know, very strong squall line that blasted right across the state of Florida. So that was like phase one of the Superstorm in 1993. And it's pretty remarkable. When you look at imagery we have, you can't see it, unfortunately, but Kevin and I are looking at a nice loop of the uh, base reflectivity, one, actually one kilometer reflectivity here, and a very, just a very intense squall line swept right across the state of Florida. And some of the wind gusts associated, this, associated with this uh, were pretty incredible. Uh, one of the peak winds was, let's see here, what do we got? <clears throat> so we had, I believe, 81. Actually, let me find let me find the website. We had the website, and then it looks like uh, we might have whiffed here. Where, where's our peak wind? Kev, where did it go? What happened to it? Is it right there? <laughs> <laughs> We're frantically yeah, searching around. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. As we're frantically, where <laughs> did it go? So one of the, the big gusts, 109 miles per hour. Well, and in the dry, they call it the dry tortugas, west of Key West, well, Florida. We 109. The, we can talk about the Mount Washington gusts because they, we'll they were recently in the news. With, uh, we'll we'll get to that in a little yeah. bit. We'll, okay. sa we'll save that. We want to save the noise. So a lot of our, most of our viewers, I mean, we have thousands and thousands of viewers. Yeah. If you look thousands, at it, millions. we've had, so far today, we've had eight, eight actual listens, which implies we've definitely got tens of thousands of viewers. Yeah. So most of those viewers are located in New England. So we're going to save the best for last. That's kind of the icing on the cake here. Yeah. But one of our initial gusts here. So is this squall line, that low to rapidly deepen over the northern Gulf. And we had a very sharp cold front basically blasting right through Florida. And along that squall line it developed, the west of Key West, 109 miles per hour. And then all the way on the other side, Vero Beach, 83 miles per hour. And there were several other wind gusts in the range of basically 80 to 100 miles per hour, which really is, is pretty crazy. It was one hell. That was, an, that, that was the opening act, basically. When you have a storm, like let's say, you know, let, just put yourself in the situation here. You know there's going to be a big storm. And you're all hyped up, like, oh, this is going to be big. This is going to be crazy. When this is what happens like at the start. You know it's going to be good. And it, a lot associated with that line, 
was an estimated 15 tornadoes embedded. It was basically a quasi-linear convective system, QLCS. It was a quasi-linear convective system ahead of the cold front. 15 embedded tornadoes estimated. 44 deaths and up to a 12-foot storm surge occurred in Taylor County, Florida, which caused seven of the deaths. And in addition to that, as this squall line was developing, Six inches of snow fell in the Florida Panhandle. When is the last time you remember half of a foot of snow in the Florida Panhandle? Never. Probably never. Maybe flurries, I think. So when when a storm is beginning and you have a squall line producing 80 to 100 mile per hour winds, 15 embedded tornadoes, 44 deaths, and up to six inches of snow in the Florida Panhandle like that, you know this storm is going to be pretty much within the first 12 hours. You're like, okay, this is going to be historic. And that all occurred during the 12th into the morning of the 13th. Now, what happened after that is as we progressed through the day on the 13th, that area of low pressure basically exploded. This is full bombogenesis. This is this is what we this is meteorological beast mode. Bombogenesis is the scientific name for it. But if we talked about it more on a more colloquial fashion from meteorologists, this is it's meteorological beast mode. I mean, this storm is exploding and it's going and it went from the northern Gulf Coast right across Georgia, South Carolina. And during the afternoon and evening of March 13th, 1993, the low basically went right over D.C. It now, blew at, up early, though, like I think it's important to say, like. It started to explode over the Florida Panhandle. Over the Panhandle. Usually, usually they stop blowing up North Carolina. Yeah, exactly. Usually, this is like early. Yeah, usually, yeah. Yeah. Typically, the latitude that you look at, you know, and a a lot of our good nor'easters, exactly, it develops and it starts to deepen over the mid-Atlantic. This got its act together over the Florida, basically over the Florida Panhandle, which is extremely unusual. And that has to do with the amplitude of that trough. It was a very high amplitude trough, and you had multiple short waves embedded within it that pretty much coalesced to just deepen the overall trough itself, the long wave trough, right? And you had just, and this is in March too. You would think maybe January, February, you might have a, a trough of that intensity and then the air mass that was dropping down too. It was a bitterly cold air mass. And we'll get to some of the record low temperatures. And that that's one of the things that makes the Superstorm of 93 is so unique. You had severe convection, you had tornadoes, and then you had the snow and the wind and the cold. And it was really, it was all all facets of the storm. Everything pretty much made it particularly unique. So through the day of the 13th, that low is exploding across Georgia, South Carolina, and basically by the evening into D.C., now, as that is happening, very heavy snow is falling. If you look at, like, we have we have the imagery we're looping here. Unfortunately, you cannot see it. Maybe someday when we actually have technology, we'll show you guys. But as that storm is exploding, you, you had a really good calm ahead already developing. That's how quick this developed. By the time that, that low is moving over the Carolinas, you already had quite the calm ahead developing. Yeah. You had significant lift. Front of Genesis was going crazy and very heavy snow was developing from the Florida Panhandle all the way through Georgia and Alabama and into a lot of these areas. Now, we're going to get to the snowfall totals. We would get into a lot of the technicals, but it would be a little bit dry. So we're going to dive right into it. So this storm is developing heavy snow 
You have a squall line moving through Florida. You have heavy snow exploding over Georgia, Alabama, moving up into the Carolinas and eventually the Mid-Atlantic on the 13th. Snowfall totals in some of these areas, really, when you look at it, are, are very difficult to, to imagine. And imagine you're, imagine you're somebody who lives in, some, in the northern Gulf Coast. You're not used to seeing snow. If you see snow, maybe it's a brief flip to snow. Maybe it's an inch. If you see an inch of snow in northern Georgia, northern Alabama, as, li- as long as you're, I mean, if you're outside of the Smoky Mountains, it's like, wow, an inch? Holy shit. Well, they can, they can get they snow. They can occasionally get like a six to twelve inch. Six to twelve is is pretty. Virginia, North Carolina. Well, I mean, Virginia, no, Virginia, yeah. North Carolina, but yeah. we're talking like Georgia and Alabama. Oh, Georgia, yeah. They'll These the, areas, they'll get the one inch, yeah. and then it shuts down for exactly. For if you see any flakes yeah. at all, it's like wow, not bad. But some of these snowfall totals are are pretty remarkable. So we have, let's see, Atlanta, Georgia got four inches, which for them is very impressive. It's good. Birmingham, Alabama, 17 inches. That's snow. more snow than we've gotten this year. That's more <laughs> snow than Boston has seen year to date. Yeah. That's almost twice. That's almost double what Boston has seen year to date through February yeah. in this one storm. Birmingham, Alabama, 17 inch, inches with six-foot drifts. That's crazy. Six-foot drifts is remarkable. Mountain City. So now we're getting more into the Smoky Mountains here. Mountain City, Georgia, two feet. Georgia, two feet of snow. What, what is going on here? Now, as you continue to head north, now the, the storm at this point, it's moving through kind of the, the western Carolinas, through the Mid-Atlantic. The low is rapidly deepening, dropping into the 980s for millibars. Some of these other snowfall totals, 56 inches, Mount, Mount Leconte in Tennessee. That's actually the heaviest snowfall total we saw. 56 inches. That's four feet, eight inches. That's a four and a half feet in Mount Leconte, Tennessee. Four and a half feet from a single storm, which is incredible. Mount Mitchell, 50 inches with 14 foot drifts to boot. 44 inches in Snowshoe, West Virginia. That probably fell at a pretty rapid rate too. Like, I mean, it the was storm it, moved. It was like a fast, rapidly so. moving storm. So that, yeah. that fifty-six inches probably happened. Yeah, over a twenty-four hour period. So they at had, best, yeah, yeah. So they probably had like three to five inch per hour. So yep, yeah, exactly. You so can pretty much interpret it that way. Insane. It must have been three, yeah. four, five inch an hour snowball rates for several yeah. hours. Roads, roads. No way roads were passable like during this. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's that is even a lot. I don't even know where that is. Mount Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, probably like a... we're from New England, so we're not extremely <laughs> yeah. familiar with uh, the rural areas of Tennessee. But yeah, fifty-six inches, and probably most of that snow fell in eighteen hours, yeah. give or take. I highly doubt that roads were were passable at that time. Uh, yeah, these snowfall levels are are particularly remarkable. And again, the so the low through the thirteenth through the afternoon and evening, was moving up through the Mid-Atlantic. And eventually, late on the evening of the 13th, is when it finally moved over to New England. And the low actually moved pretty much right over central New England. It went west to Boston. And that's one of the reasons why, from a snowfall perspective, the Superstorm of 1993 for Boston was actually a forgettable storm. If you just, if you just look at the snowfall, nine inches, that was the total. So the funny thing is, you had 17 inches in Birmingham, Alabama, 
yeah. nine inches in Boston, Massachusetts. And if you look at that, you're like, oh, well, who cares? You know, if you, if you, if you live in New England, obviously, if you're just, if you're, if you like meteorology and you're fascinated by big storms, this storm is amazing. But for, you know, those in New England, it's like, come on, nine inches, really? That's it. But there were significantly heavier totals over interior New England. The problem with the Superstorm of 93 is if you look at the actual low track, it, it went it essentially went right over central New England. It wasn't your typical benchmark track that goes over 4070. It didn't go southeast of Nantucket. It went right over New England. So a lot of the very heavy snow in, in, in Boston and coastal New England was was at the onset was well ahead of the storm. Yeah. Once the low moved over, it was a qu- it was a switch over to sleet and rain, and then dry a dry slot, slot. And, yeah. and then a dry slot. But still, we'll get into some of the other variables that were very remarkable and made made it a very unforgettable storm in Boston. We'll cover those in just a minute. But Boston only had nine inches. Now across the interior, twenty seven inches in Albany. That's pretty legitimate, right? And further inland, Syracuse, 40. So the heaviest total in the Northeast, not New England, because we're in New York here, 43 inches in Syracuse, New York. Not bad. Lincoln, New Hampshire, not bad. bad. Now, for those uh, loon fans, all those loon skiers in Lincoln, New Hampshire, 35 inches. So basically, that was a three-footer in the White Mountains in New Hampshire. That's not too shabby that has to be one of their top snowfalls of all time. For right? Lincoln, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, 35 inches in Lincoln, if I had to guess, that's probably their heaviest snowfall total yeah. of all time. I mean, that's that that's just three feet. That That's remarkable. Lincoln isn't the best area for snow because it gets a lot of shadowing from the, from the White Mountains, but that's pretty remarkable. And if you look at the snowfall map, most of interior New England was in the 10 to 20 range with pockets. You did have that 20 pockets of 20 to 30. So from a snowfall perspective, for much of the eastern U.S., it was high impact. For Boston, it wasn't particularly high impact just because the low went to the west. They had that flip over, whatever. But the unique thing about Boston, and we actually have the METAR available here. So essentially what happened in Boston is at 15Z, Late morning on the 13th, snow was first it first developed in Boston, and it was initially reported 10 statue miles. Now, by 16Z, an hour later, we're at three statue miles. 1611, 11, so we're an hour and 11 minutes in, one mile. So between 16 and 1611Z, we saw that snow really begin to pick up. Now, it didn't really get heavy until 18Z, so it took a couple of hours. 18Z, a half mile, overcast at five. And this is when the wind really started to ramp up. So by 18Z, 080, so we were looking at an east, almost a due east wind, 29 gusting, 36, half mile. Now as we get to 19Z, 080, 30 gusting, 42 knots, an eighth of a mile in heavy snow and blowing snow. We're an eighth of a mile of heavy snow with a 42-knot wind by 19Z. And it slowly increased over the next couple of hours here. The wind really ramped up. Now, the icing on the cake, this is this is the METAR that if you live in Boston, you're, you're never going to forget here. It was a 23Z. So the snow really picked up through about 18, 19Z. Eighth of a mile by 20Z, 16th of a mile. 
40 to 50 knot winds. Now at 23Z, this was probably the most impressive wintertime METAR we've ever seen in Boston. I don't think anything surpassed this. I've never seen it. Yeah. 23Z yeah. the 13th, 060, northeast wind, 47 gusting 62 knots, zero SM, no visibility, plus TSSN, thunder snow, and blowing snow. So at 23Z, late in the evening, we had winds gusting to basically 80 miles an hour with thunder snow and zero visibility. That was the evening of the 13th. So Boston only had nine inches, but 80 mile per hour winds and thunderstorm. Yeah. You're not going to see, we, we, you don't see that. I mean, you, Boston gets good wind. Boston gusts to 50 to 60 miles an hour fairly frequently in our high end nor'easters. But when you get to 80, we're talking hurricane force winds and thunderstorm. I mean, that's it. Like if you were in Boston, during that storm at the peak of intensity, it must have been pretty incredible. Unfortunately, I was three years old, so I have no memory. And I was. And you have absolutely no excuse. I don't. Uh, born in '87, so how old? Six. <laughs> Six. Mental uh, math is extremely difficult. So I think I, I, I converge memories of the '96 and the '93 storm because both were similar. Like. The worst of blizzard of 96 was actually to the south of Boston. It was. It and was, then yeah. the worst of 93 was also to the south of Boston. So I remember when I was a kid, there was a, a lot of talk about, like, oh, D.C. is getting, getting the good, good winter at the time. Because I remember the early 90s. We weren't really, really getting good. For the most part, we weren't really getting. We had the 95 and 96 was a good duration. Because we had a bunch of little storms. Yeah, that was a big, that ended up but, being a big winter. But we didn't really get any good, like, you know, really good, like, dumpings in in, um, in Boston. It took until, like, early 2000s to start getting, get, well, April Fool's Day storm. Which I'm we'll 97. Have, we'll have to do a separate show on that. Yeah, but, that, that will, that will be. But, yeah. Okay, so we are actually, so we just did about... An hour of a recording here, so you're, you're going to hear a bit of a discontinuity. And the second half of the podcast was not saved. So we're just looping back in here, adding it on. You might see a bit of a, an awkward transition here, but we're going to get back into what we were talking about because about 30 minutes of our conversation somehow did not make it. Anyways, so where we left off, we were talking about what happened in Boston. We were My talking about memory that I didn't have. Kevin's lack, broken lack memory. Of, lack of memory. Lack of memory of the Superstorm in 93. And it goes for me as well. I was three years old. I don't have much of a recollection of it. But um, from, a, you know, from a New England perspective, like we were talking about the winds and the snow in Boston. It was pretty incredible. 80 mile per hour winds, heavy snow and thunder snow now obviously briefly after that it changed right over to like rain pellets and then it shut off because you had yeah. the dry slot come in the low went right over central new england boston had that initial as basically like a warm advection burst and then it shut off but still did we talk winds, about the thunder snow that didn't get cut out right uh no that that is in there we mentioned the okay. guitar with the thunder yeah okay. we're trying to retrace yeah. our steps here 
because Spotify decided, you know what? I'm going to shut them off because they are that goddamn boring. <laughs> so that's pretty much what just yeah. happened here. But yeah. So long story short, the low ripped right over New England. We had heavy snow moving through Boston over interior New England. We had 10 to 20, even 30 inch snow mounts over interior New England. And you now that kind of, that was basically the conclusion of the Superstorm of 93. It started as that big, pretty much a derecho moving through Florida. And then you had heavy snow developing over the central and northern Gulf Coast, moving right up through the central Appalachians, the Carolinas, and then moving into New England. Uh, and, and overall, it was just such a, just a high latitude range of, of heavy weather impacts. It was a very large range from Florida to New, to New England, getting significant weather and you know it's funny because we're recording this podcast you know i never would have thought that you know this time last year roughly we were talking about the blizzard 78 and i was like wow this winter has been a piece of shit and here we are a year later i would have thought okay you know we had a bad winter last year the previous four winters were really bad and here we are with yet another uneventful winter and you know, the funny thing is when we did the Thanksgiving storm in 1950, when we recorded that po podcast, we actually did have quite the storm develop not long after. It was like a week or two after we recorded that. We had that epic storm in December that unleashed a good amount of snow over the Great Lakes, but yep. we had major wind. It was a big wind event across much of New England. So it was kind of prescient that we released that podcast. Obviously, we didn't see anything close to, you know, the Superstorm of 1950 again. But a few weeks after, we have a huge storm come through. It's like, all right, that's not too bad. What we're trying to do now with this podcast is conjure another mega storm in the next couple of weeks. Now, yeah. through at least, you know, through mid-February, we know we're pretty much shut out. Like, this winter is over. It's a bust. Like, this winter is shit. But... It looks like there is going to be a bit of a pattern change. We're going to flip the pattern that the negative PNA in the West is finally, maybe, going to give away to uh, either a neutral or a positive PNA. We're going to have ridging in the Gulf of Alaska. And there's a chance. There's a chance. In the end of February to March, we might get into a snowier pattern. There's a chance. So we're kind of hoping for that. And that, that's one of the things we like to reminisce about these storms. Even though we don't have any exact memories. Anybody who was there during that event who was old enough remembers the event likely remembers where they were what happened it was one of those very memorable events and we don't get many of those we get a lot of storms they get a lot of hype and the thing is a few years later if you ask somebody about it they'll be like uh they might forget it you know after you know nemo or juno i mean those were some pretty incredible snowstorms that we had in new england back you know in the mid 2000s 2013 2015 those were pretty remarkable and I think if you ask a lot of people, yeah, they might remember details a couple of years yeah. later. They'll remember some details, but it's not like they're going to remember a play-by-play -play of everything they were doing, you know, when the storm happened. And 93 is one of those events where people who were alive during then generally will remember very detailed accounts. Because it was, it was not only was it, was it hyped, but it was well-predicted. And I'm, I'm not sure if that portion of the previous podcast got saved where we were talking about how well forecasted it was. It was actually one of the most well forecasted snow events, um, you know, dating that far back. It was, it was kind of one of the things that really gave legitimacy and credence to, to weather forecasts. It was a really well done forecast. I mean, to the credit of, of computer models, 
Uh, it was the computer models had a very good handle on it, and they did a pretty good job. And people, for the most part, were prepared. But we, we don't have many events that are so epic or so memorable that you remember all the details. Like, you know, I was doing this at that time, this at that time. It was just one of those high-end events. And those are the things that, as meteorologists, we really do live for, you know. It's those high-end, really high-end events. And you know, you know, you might go five years, you might go 10 years without having another storm like it, you know. And, and we, you know, you have to be patient. Obviously, every year, we usually have a couple of events, you know. It's rare to go an entire year without at least some interesting weather but this, so for this well we had the cold air this winter and that's about it you know we had uh, exactly arctic we had blast and... yeah that was a pretty good we set some records we had a really good arctic blast you know that was memorable but in general you know we haven't had like any good it's, it's been a while since we've had it yeah like an, a borderline even just a really memorable event an unforgettable event it's been a long time it's been a long well, time. sandy was kind of unforgettable yeah, I, I would say meteorologically, like Sandy, as a meteorologist, yeah. it's unforgettable. I would say that is, but yeah. like in terms of like, well, I actually, I actually lost power at my house for eighteen hours during that. Eighteen, okay. And then I, I can't remember any other storm that actually do that other than Sandy. So I guess that's kind of rememberable. I guess right. Rememberable. You just actually created a word. That, <laughs> that, that alone is memorable. Ten science. That alone. This is the, this it, is the it's second he's, time then, we're talking about. Yeah, about and then this. he says it's getting tired. Is and I'm getting tired. that's pretty good. We're just yeah, creating English here. We're creating English here, but yeah, no, that that Sandy was. I I wouldn't put it. I don't know if I would put it in the same class. I wouldn't as a Superstorm '93. It was incredibly impactful. It it was unique. It's something that I remember. Yeah, no, it was very memorable. The forecast was pretty damn good. And, um, you know, the European model locked on. And, yeah, that was, you know, that, that for me, it was forgettable, you know, where I was living in terms of my personal impacts. But in terms of the overall impacts, I mean, it was an incredible storm. And maybe that will be the subject of a future podcast, Sandy of uh, 2012. Yeah. Or Frankenstorm. You remember how they called Frankenstorm. it? Frankenstorm. Frankenstorm. There we go. Halloween. We're talking about Frankenstorm. It was here. two years in a row that we had Halloween storms, though, because we had that um, October, October, yeah, October 2011. Yeah. Was it, oh, it wasn't officially a blizzard, though. It was all a blizzard, though. I remember that, too. I remember where blizzard. I was on that night, too. Yeah, I remember because my power went went out and it was out for a couple of days and we yeah. got absolute we had massive tree damage. But yeah, Sandy Sandy was was in a unique class of of I guess you I guess you could probably call it a superstorm. You could probably call it a superstorm. There's no exact meteorological threshold for storm versus superstorm. That's yeah. kind of just a you know a, a bit of a hype word, but it was very unique and quite remarkable. But ninety three is a storm that I would love I would love to see another storm you know of similar intensity maybe something that's a little bit more of a of a new england jackpot in terms of the the high-end impacts obviously you know we like to see new england get absolutely crushed and this is an important point that i don't think that we have covered in previous podcasts Mm -hmm. is that most not all but most meteorologists want to get absolutely crushed i'm okay? pretty sure we bring that up in every i'm not podcast. sure maybe we have this is a point that i need yeah. to reiterate your local tv meteorologist might <laughs> say oh you know thank goodness it's going out to sea or 
The good news is it's going to miss New England. Trust me. Most meteorologists want to get absolutely crushed. We don't want to see other people deal with, you know, we don't want to see death. We don't want to see other people getting hammered. But in, in like in our yards, in our house or whatever you live, we want to experience it. That's why we got into the field. It's not that it's nothing that we're, we it's just it's nothing we can change. It's a fascination with extreme weather. It really is. And I think a lot of it is just it, it's almost like being helpless. Like when you look out the window, there's nothing you can do. You're not in the driver's seat. Nature yeah. is in the driver's seat. You can't do shit. You can hide in your basement. You can do whatever. But at the end of the day, you're you're you can prepare, but at the end of the day, you're powerless. And it's witnessing that intensity. It's the intensity, it's the magnitude. And when you look out and it's power nature. Yeah, it's just the power of nature that 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 just inspires us to get into this field and Obviously, you know, we don't want to see the death and destruction. That stuff's no, that stuff's no good. But, and if you, if people who lie, I mean, I'm sure there are a few wackos out there who, who like that stuff. There's always going to be a couple of weird oddballs yeah. that like that. But the vast majority of us, we just want to experience it ourselves. And as boring as this year has been, as boring as last year's been, you know, it would be nice to at least have something that's, you know, relatively high and maybe we go out with a bang this winter i mean we're, we're talking about one of the least snowy winters of all time in boston in most of southern new england this is going to be i'm not sure maybe top three top five the least snowy winter ever but anyways it's fun to reminisce about storms like this we're probably going to wrap this guy up again we had a entire section we were talking about the temperatures yeah. that was the other part of the, of the superstorm 93 was the extreme cold we didn't. We haven't really. We we got into it in detail in the last recording. We would reiterate, but we don't want to be too duplicative. We don't know how much we covered the last one, one hundred percent. It's a bummer that half the show got cut. A good chunk of it got cut, but you know, me, you know, we're in. Combined, we're at forty minutes. Most people, the attention span starts to drop off pretty quickly. That that definitely includes me. That includes me after. <laughs> that includes me too. Exactly. <laughs> so maybe it's for the better. But we're gonna wrap up here. Yeah. I hope you. We hope you enjoyed this third episode here we're going to try to get more and more episodes we're going to we're going to talk about more storms and we might veer into some other subjects maybe some other you know you know far out there type talk subjects. about some weather movies yeah movies might be in there there might be some uh maybe some other scientific subjects some supernatural Aliens. stuff yeah i think we intend on getting a little maybe a little more philosophical but we're going to cover a bunch of stuff and uh, again, uh, I'm not sure if this was in the initial recording, but like we said, we, we've got tens of thousands of listens. Again, we have eight listens today. So clearly, clearly tens of thousands of people are listening. We're having a huge impact here. And we're going to be, we're <laughs> going to have a lot more episodes coming right up for you. So stay tuned. There's more content on the horizon. Eventually it will be there. And uh, hopefully we go out with this year with a bang. Maybe, maybe we get something good, but. We can only hope. On that note, take care, everybody, and we hope you enjoyed the episode.